Are you craving incredible song recitals? Are you interested in a behind-the-scenes view into professional song making at the highest levels of artistry? Are you looking to develop your own artistic and entrepreneurial skills as a classical musician in this ever-changing 21st century landscape? If you found yourself saying yes to any of those questions, look no further than Cincinnati Song Initiative's week-long program, The Fellowship of the Song. Taking place this year from May 19 through 26, The Fellowship brings together some of the country's brightest song performers and teachers for a week of classes, concerts, and study events. And we invite you to join us as an auditor, either in person in Cincinnati or online wherever you may be located. When you join the fellowship as an auditor, you gain instant access to the entire week's events and can go back and relive the magic through HD video recordings of each and every session. To learn more about this incredible new opportunity, visit CincinnatiSongInitiative.org slash audit. Hey everyone, I'm Laura Lavoir, and this is Song Cycle, the official podcast of Cincinnati Song Initiative, where we talk everything song. It's history, it's creation, it's performance, and it's ability to keep us connected through stories. In this episode, I'm talking with Reggie Smith. While I've never actually met Reggie in real life, I felt like I was sitting down with an old friend, sharing stories and talking about the power of those stories. And honestly, just hearing some profound life advice about how song has the power to affect people, affect change, and the rewards and challenges of life on the road. Everyone, we have Reggie Smith Jr. with us today. So I have followed your career, and I know who you are. And you don't know me from a bar so, but it is such a pleasure to have you here on my podcast. I am truly honored. This is a very special day for me. So can you tell the good people who are listening to this podcast who you are, what you do, and how you got into it? Awesome. Well, thanks again for having me. I am Reginald Smith Jr., or Reggie as most people know me. I am from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I was born and raised there, as we would say, instead of born. Um, with the rolled I, R. <laughs> yes, born with the rolled R, as we do in Georgia. But I, uh, <laughs> I come from a very musical family um, with, yeah, my brothers and sisters, we all get together and we sing and my brother plays the drums and my mother played the clarinet all the way through college and one of my uncles plays the saxophone, the other one played the violin. My cousins played piano. It's a very musical family. You got a whole orchestra. <laughs> you better know it. Um, and so I grew up with music as a regular part of my life um, and singing as a regular part of my life. I just thought every family got together and sang all the time. You know, it's just, just what it is. So anyway, from there, I really became interested in choral music. Um, so I was a choir nerd, so much so that when it came time to go to university, I knew that I wanted to be a teacher. And my goal was to teach high school choir. Fortunately, I had a voice teacher, uh, Betty Colson, who's no longer with us. I mean, Betty was still teaching until she was 93, okay? Betty was tough. But uh, 
Betty uh, said, you know, you should probably consider vocal performance as well. And I was like, I get it. I mean, I like singing, sure. I always thought, you know, I love singing. I love performing. I love singing for people. It makes me a better teacher. If I get to do some more solo stuff, cool. I don't think I ever really imagined a career um, as a performer. But I knew I wanted to work in music and I wanted to teach. So I was fortunate that I went to the University of Kentucky as a double major in vocal performance and music education, um, K through 12. So you can teach the little children as well as the grown children. Um, and from there, I joined the Houston Grand Opera Studio. Um, yeah, after six years of undergrad, I was like, well, I guess I'll try for some young artist programs. It was crazy. Absolutely crazy. Hashtag Bud God. You know, when it works out, it works out. But I joined the Houston Grand Opera Studio. And after two years, they kicked me out of the nest, which was a wonderful thing. And forced the little birdie to fly on his own. So I am blessed and fortunate to live as a professional singing artist. And I say that, I mean, I could say I'm an opera singer because, yes, I do sing opera. But I'm fortunate that I have so many musical interests and I get to pursue them. So whether it's singing opera or oratorio or concert works with orchestra or recitals, or pops concerts. I mean, it's it's exciting to be able to um, do it all um, and try out different hats. So that's just a little about me. I gave you the long version, but just a little bit about where I come from, a little bit of my background and what I do for a living. That is something I, that I love so much about what you said to describe yourself as you said, that you're a singing artist. First of all, you're like living the dream. You're doing the thing. <laughs> like you're doing everything, which is so cool and so neat because not everyone can't, one, is able to do that. And two, has the opportunity to. So the fact that you're just kind of rolling around with, with all that is so cool. So awesome. Love that journey for you. Um, but the thing that I love so much about it is how you described yourself as a singing artist and not just like, I feel like we've all had that conversation with people when they say, oh, what do you do for a living? And you're like, okay, how do I explain this? So generally people just say I'm an opera singer because that cuts kind of right in there and says like, oh, okay, so you you sing that kind of music. Right, so, right. As a singing artist, it sounds like to you that encompasses a lot more than just being on stage and bellowing your lungs out, right? Well, absolutely. You know, I I have the opportunity to have several recitals and things that um, I love doing recitals and concert work. And so whenever the recitals pop up, I definitely try to take advantage of them. But in one of the recitals I have coming up, they fortunately, slash maybe unfortunately for them, gave me free range to pick whatever I want. I could do whatever I want, which is the way it should be anyway. What's, what's with these boundaries and parameters on artists? Come on. But I, I mean, it's crazy because I love a wide variety of music from, you know, the 
chants of Hildegard from Bingen all the way to Richard Smallwood and, you know, everything in between. So I'm starting the recital with Bach. There's Poulenc on this recital. There's Sondheim on the recital. Uh, I'm doing some Carlisle Floyd. I'm singing Remember Me from Coco. I'm closing my recital. <laughs> because why not? What's the best way to close the recital with just a little Coco? And I mean, it's all over the place. And I figure it, why not make it interesting? Why not make it diverse? Give people something that they can latch on to, whether it's Verdi or whether it's Carlisle Floyd or whether it's the spiritual or whether it's the solemnity of the Bach. You know, I, I like to plan a little bit of something for everybody in my recitals. And I like to approach my career in the same way. I like there to be a little bit of something for all of my interests and not just uh, singing bad guys in opera, even though I do love that too. Life is all about balance, right? You better know it. <laughs> so, okay. So we're talking about recitals. We're talking about your immense love of clearly just singing and just song and all of that, like in recitals just speaks to you. We love that. We're here for that. <laughs> Our art song organization after all. So, Reggie, I have a very important question for you. Sure. And feel free to just like take a minute if it, you know, if you need to digest this. But what to you is an art song? You know, that's an interesting question. It is. That's why I ask it. I <laughs> to me, I just think I just think of song rep as songs. For me, it doesn't matter if it's, um, you know, Amy Beach or, you know, Leslie Adams with the poetry of Langston Hughes or it's my Sharia Moore. I mean, it's it's song, it's music, it's beautiful and it's interesting. I don't think there should be any hierarchy or should be these overarching stipulations. Um, you can do go away from my window, traditional folk song. And it's still a beautiful art song, the same way L'Hotel is by Poulenc. I mean, so for me, I just think of it all as song. I try not to, I try not to put too many classifications on things and try to categorize things. Just sing and let it be beautiful and let it speak. And then, yeah, let the music speak for itself without trying to categorize stuff all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. It's more exciting that way, I find. I had a high school teacher who would tell me that labels are for jars. And that's kind of <laughs> how I feel about songs sometimes where, you know, you have you have folks who really do believe that art song is a specific type of, you know, poetry set to a specific um, instrumentation. And then people like you who are like, if it speaks to me and it's beautiful and it says something, like, let's do it. And I think... I'm a little more in your camp, generally. <laughs> well, because I think, and this kind of leads into my next question, is I feel like in the end of the day, we are storytellers, right? And we're trying to find songs that both speak to our human experience, but also that invite other people to share their experiences as well. Absolutely. And so for you, what role does art song play kind of in your career, but also what stories do you seek to tell with the songs that you sing? So 
I am, again, I, I'm fortunate that I get to play a lot of big bad guys and a lot of fathers and people that come in and scream and yell like Bonzo or Montorone or whatever. But in the art song repertoire, in the recital repertoire, in the song repertoire, I feel as though I can share more of my experiences as a human, as an artist, and some of my different interests as a musical artist, if you will. And so I like to show a wide range of emotions, whether it's something funny uh, and just kind of, you know, quick and humorous, or whether it's something deep, uh, deeply emotional. The thing that I love about art songs is that you can tell an entire story within a range of two to four or five minutes or so, you know, you go through a whole journey and you can have multiple journeys on this recital, you know? So I like to pair, for instance, um, I love the songs of Ricky Ian Gordon. And I, it's not a set, but I always do it as a set. And I always do it a little announcement before I do the song When Sue Wears Red into What Shall We Remember into Prayer by Ricky Ian Gordon. And When Sue Wears Red is, a guy who sees the most beautiful woman walking down the street. He's just so enamored with her. And, you know, he says, blow the trumpets, Jesus, you know, (laughs) and then goes into what shall we remember, which recounts, you know, two people that are in love and they're having the time of their life. And then one of them is suddenly gone and they're left asking themselves, what shall we remember of the time that we miss? What shall we remember of the time that we spent together? What, what's left? And then from there, I go into, I ask you this, which way to go? You know, I do not know. Lord God, I do not know. And so I always sort of preface it by saying, I'm going to do the three in a row. And I always say, just imagine two people that are madly in love you see someone, you fall head over heels with them. You know that that's the one and you all are in love and that's the love of your life. And then suddenly that person is lost and you find yourself lost as a, as a result. And all you can do is sit and pray and ask God, why, what's next? What, what is there for me in this life? You know? And I always find that it's deeply emotional for me. I always catch myself crying by the time I get to the end of prayer. But I did did that on a recital once, and this older gentleman came up to me, and he said, my wife of like 40-plus years passed away about two or three months ago, and he said, I've just been kind of sitting at home a lot, you know, we always did stuff together. He said, I decided to come to this concert. And he said, when you did those three songs, it, he said, I cried the whole time. And it just finally allowed me to sort of release some of the emotion that I'd been going through. It's like you were singing and experiencing the things that I had been experiencing, but hadn't been able to tell anybody about, you know? And he gave me a hug and he said, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to release that emotion, you know, through your performance. And it's something that I will, you know, 
that I will always remember, but it also reminds me of exactly why we do what we do. It's not about us. It's not for us. You know, I often say I don't sing for judges. I don't sing for artistic administrators as great as they may be. I do it for the people. I do it for the, the, the beauty and the solemnity of the music. And I do it because the people need to hear it. So anyway, and then I follow it up with some funny, serious song so everybody's not depressed the whole time. <laughs> As I'm sitting over here literally weeping at that story you just told me, like, y'all could probably hear me, like, sniffling and wiping my nose. I'm fine. I get I get emotional but... <laughs> every single time I do. And I, I have it coming up on a recital soon, and I know it's, when, it's in the middle of what shall we remember. Dear friend, leaving so soon. Cast the lasting shadow on the paling moon. I mean, it just, and then I know I'm going into the prayer. The prayer by Ricky and Gordon is so beautifully emotional. I know. Anyway, so I catch myself. By the time we get to the piano interlude, <laughs> <laughs> it's what I'm the, a mess. It's what the pocket time. square is for. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I have to take a break afterwards, but but also I can't imagine standing there with this deeply emotional music swirling around me with this haunting and thought-provoking text and not being moved and not being in it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I can't imagine just standing there and not being actively involved in an emotional way. So, I don't know. Hashtag goals. <laughs> Listen, if, if the way that you sing those songs is even remotely close to how you conveyed your story of you singing those songs, I can imagine why that man was just sitting there, like, weeping his eyeballs out. Because, <laughs> well, what's so clear to me is, like, you love the stuff that you're singing. You love the music that you're singing. But more importantly, you're like, these are, even though it might not be like my exact story, those stories are very real to you in that moment, which is so special. And not not everyone is capable of doing that in recital. Because, you know, you can kind of tell when people aren't being super genuine with you on mm. stage. That's really special. Thank you. That's Thank a, you. That's a special thing. Um. So that actually goes beautifully into my next question for you is like so clearly these these stories that you sing about are very important to you and you i'm still crying <laughs> i'm trying to keep it together speaking of moving through emotional i'm just processing <laughs> um so we tell or you you sing about these you know clearly just powerful stories fun stories Stories that either you're kind of putting on the pants of someone else or you're putting on your own pants and you're saying, this is my experience, right? So how do you think that we can use this form of storytelling to bring about social change? Well, I think first and foremost, you have to know your audience, know your intended audience and uh, who they are, where they come from, what's the goal, you know, what do you have in mind? Because I could say that this song is about two men falling in love. And I know if I'm in the deep South, I might not get the same reaction. 
as if I say there were two people that were married, which I know it shouldn't be the case. But at the end of the day, I want to get the people's, <laughs> like, you know, do they get the point? That's the most important part, you know? And so I think music has always been at the forefront of social justice and political change. Whether you are looking at the people that played the snare and the bugles going off to war in the, you know, the Civil War, the, uh, you know, or any of those old war. I mean, I always felt so bad looking at history books because you're like, oh, they're going to die. <laughs> they're the first one marching with the a bugle snare. Boy. He's the first one rifles. to go. You're like, well. <laughs> so, sorry, little drummer boy. But, you know, even, you know, it's terrible, but it's true. But, um, you know, the Civil Rights Movement. Those songs we shall overcome ain't gonna let nobody turn me round. Slavery, hello. <laughs> Those, the songs of the American Negro spirituals. I mean, it's just music has always been a driving force of change, whether it's from the 70s, you know, a song that didn't seem like a whole lot to some people, James Brown, say it loud, uh, I'm black and I'm proud. That was a big thing. For a dark-skinned man to be in this position and to say, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud in the 70s, I mean, that was huge. We don't think about it now. But that, you know, it was sort of a revolutionary thing. And so I think as we continue with our own uh, journeys for justice and equality and all of those other things that we continually fight for, I think Music can play a very special part in that and also the art song repertoire in general. Um, Will Liverman did these songs recently by Sean, um, the ones about the, the Birmingham um, the Birmingham bombing. And I mean, it just, oh, right? Just ripped you apart. And it, it's one of those things where it's like, no, you can't forget about it. Or... I, I had a friend that did Imagine on a recital with piano. Just piano and voice. Nothing overly complicated, but you really are forced to listen to the words. Or I, I know another singer that decided they were going to close their recital with um, What a Wonderful World. And they said, this is my hope for the world that we can one day live up to this to the words and to the moment of this song. I see trees of green, Richter. And I mean, when I tell you, <laughs> I mean, you know, I see friends shaking hands saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. Just standing there with piano, tore up. I mean, I was in the audience. Just <laughs> and so, you know, I think it doesn't always have to be big and bombastic and bash you over the head with social justice. <laughs> but I think things like that, a good, well-placed tune can really change people's thoughts and, and perceptions. And that's the goal. So another long-winded, circuitous answer, but yes, there you have it. No, please be long-winded and circuitous. I <laughs> love it. That's what I'm here for because... I am the beneficiary of all of this. People tell me their stories and I just sort of absorb it like a little sponge. And it gives me a lot of perspective on things because 
A couple things that you said that really stuck out to me was, first of all, is that like song and music generally have always been kind of at the forefront or driver of change. And I never really thought about that um, in that specific sense. I always thought about songs, especially being about a year behind everything. Because, well, because if you think about it, you know, you have people who have to, something happens and then they process and then art comes out of it. But what you're saying, and I just, I guess I never really thought about it this way, is the, the music is always there. And it's always a way for people, it's been, it's always been a way for people to express the moment. And it's been a major presence and driving force of that change, which I think is a very special thing for us to sort of witness and participate in. And the other thing that you said that just, I think is so important, especially on like an art song podcast is you mentioned a couple of pop songs that pop songs meeting like, you know, jazz standards or ones that aren't necessarily in like the quote unquote classical repertoire Mm -hmm. that really speak to you in a very profound way. And like, yes, you know, the poetry of Goethe and all of this can be deeply profound and very moving, but sometimes like John Lennon hits something different. Yeah. You know, um, I was going to say another great just promoter of change and progress through music, the great Nina Simone. I mean, come on. But, um, you know, I, I was thinking about Another one that just tears you apart. Uh, Good night, my angel. Now it's time to sleep and save these questions for another. I mean, someday we'll all be gone, but lullabies go on and on. They never die. That's how you and I will be. I mean, why not? What? I mean, that's such a beautiful way to close a recital or to, you know, be bold. Blackbird singing in the dead of night. I mean, and the thing is, because these songs are familiar to your audience, they immediately have a different emotional connection and an emotional reaction. And they experience the song in a different way. And they hear the words and the music in a different way because of your presentation. Not that we don't love Andy Music. I'm doing Andy Music on the same recital. <laughs> and people, hopefully, will experience it in a beautiful and new, exciting way as well. But, you know, it's it's not the same as, like, this little light of mine. It's just, you know, it, it is what it is. So I think it's important to convey all of those different spectrums and colors and emotions and feelings and and avenues of music that's why i like doing recitals that's why i like singing song rep is that i can jump from one thing to the next and show this bit and now i can do that and now i can do it you know something that just is is being solidified for me more and more the more i talk to people and the more i you know sing and just live in the arts world is like the vernacular hits different You know, people can understand, like, they have translations in front of them for French and German art song, and you can kind of, if you don't look at the translations, you can generally get the vibe, right? But the vernacular, especially if it's familiar to you, 
Yeah. That's just a different experience. That's a whole new level of well, That's why I like to, I'm definitely known for speaking and recitals. I know some people are like anti-speaking and recitals, but I, especially if it's something maybe off the beaten path, I like to give just a little context a little bit before just telling you what's going on. What's the, so then it gives you something to latch on to. It gives you something to look forward to, you know, whether you speak the language or not, you go, Oh, I hear that's the part of the galloping horses. Oh, I hear it in the piano, you know, whatever it is, you know? So, or sometimes I will read the poetry and I'll read the translation and then I'll sing the song. So you don't have to look down as much, or maybe you, you hear, oh, that's the part right there in the middle. I think it's about making it about the people and not about you. It's about expressing and not about impressing. You must always sing to express, never to impress. <laughs> I get that my undergrad teacher always says that. You must sing to express, never to impress. I have been rendered speechless. <laughs> That's like... Wow. <laughs> it should be the cardinal rule of singing. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's Absolutely. not about you. It's all it's 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 not about how great your technique is, although it's all, you know, it's a part of it. But it feels like it is. <laughs> it's a tool. It's a tool in the toolbox. Why do you, why do you work on the technique so you can express the things the way you want to express them? That's the whole point of working on it technically so you can do the things musically that you want to do. You think, man, I, that phrase should really be softer because if I sing it more intimately, I feel like that's going to be the right emotional connection. And then you get there and you're like, whoop, can't sing it intimately. So that's when you go to the practice room and you figure out how to do it. And your technique gets better because you are trying to make a better musical choice to be a better artist to express exactly the emotion and the color that is needed. Not because you're trying to impress somebody with your Montserrat Caballé pianissimi, even though those are very impressive. But if they're not connected to anything, what's the point? That's it. I feel like express, not impress. I need to get it on one of those like little embroidered things that you put in a frame and I need to put it above my <laughs> piano whenever I'm practicing because... That's a, that is a profound life lesson, sir, that you have bestowed upon me this day. And <laughs> I just, I've been truly blessed by your wisdom in this moment. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. No, no, really. Thank you. <laughs> um, so as we're, as we're talking about, you know, performing and expressing stories and connecting with the music and, you know, building a really fantastic and well-varied career for yourself. What have been for you some of the um, biggest challenges and some of the greatest rewards that you've experienced while living your life as a singing artist? You know, being on the road is hard sometimes. I love being on the road also. Let me say that. If I sit at home for too long, I start to get antsy. <laughs> I'm like, I should be doing something. I should be going somewhere, you know. But when you are just kind of going from suitcase to suitcase, gig to gig, here, there, I mean, it, it can be physically exhausting, 
but also emotionally exhausting. I've had to miss very dear friends' weddings. I missed my own brother's wedding because I couldn't be released from a gig. It is what it is. So that's hard. And that's something that no amount of schooling can prepare you for. And you have a lot of time when you are alone. And Jesse Norman used to say, was one of my favorites, by the way. Jesse used to say, there's a difference between being uh, alone and being lonely. There's a difference between alone and aloneness. <laughs> um, but it's true. You find yourself sometimes sitting in a park, reading a book or whatever by yourself. You're having a great day. No problem. Sometimes you find yourself in the middle of a rehearsal room with other people around, very good colleagues or so, and you just feel alone. You feel lonely. You feel as though you're by yourself. You just want to go home. Like <laughs> Those are hard. You have to know the difference. I'm totally fine being by myself. I have no problem going to a restaurant by myself. I find it sometimes hard when you see people like a couple walking hand in hand, you're like, oh God, I'm a love lonely. Um, but then you find ways to get out of that, right? You know, you read a book, find a museum, FaceTime friends, call family members, whatever you have to do. But that is something in this, in this business that is very hard and it's something that you have to deal with. And I think every artist will tell you the same thing especially when you're really busy, you have to figure out how to be alone um, and how to cure yourself of loneliness in a healthy way. But at the same time, it's so rewarding to travel and share music with people all over the world and share these emotional moments. And even if you all don't speak the same language, the, the music speaks for you. It's a, it's a language that connects each and every one of us on a soul level um, in a very intangible way that can't be described or can't be explained adequately. And I find that to be the most amazing and rewarding thing. There are certain things that just connect us all as human beings. Like I always say, nobody smiles in Spanish. Nobody cries in German. Nobody winks in French, even though there might be a special French wink. Uh, you know, <laughs> nobody waves in Hungarian. You know, the French wink comes with that... a cigarette. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it always comes with a cigarette. Yes. But <laughs> always, these are deeply human things that just connect us all. Somebody smiles, you smile back, and you don't, you don't even have to know what they're saying. And right up there is music. Sometimes you don't know. I heard someone came up to me. Um, I was singing a spiritual, and they said, I'm not very religious. Um, you know, I'm not a Christian or anything. They said, but when I hear gospel and spiritual music, it just moves me in such a way, and it always makes me deeply emotional even though you know it's like i know it's about jesus and i don't really 
you know, I don't really believe in Jesus, but I believe in this music because the music of the spirituals and the gospels move me in such a way. And I think that's a testament to the power of music in general, but especially to the power of the, the American Negro spirituals. But yeah, so again, being on the road is hard sometimes. I love it. Finding the difference between being alone and being lonely and how do you handle that is challenging um, and missing certain milestones, birthdays and, you know, my 30th birthday, which was fantastic. I was singing Beethoven 9. People are like, aren't you going to go out and party? And I'm going to go and get that check. Okay. Getting coins for my birthday and amen for that. But uh, Best kind of birthday. You know, but, you know, it wasn't the, let's go party and blah, blah, blah. And that's totally fine. But again, you have to be okay with those types of things. But to be able to share that the, the music of Beethoven, especially Beethoven 9, I mean, it's so exciting every single time. Um, and to see how people react at the end and how moved they are, it's worth it. So... That's it for me, I suppose. I mean, it's the seeing people, uh, connecting with people on a deeper level, on an intangible soul level is always worth it. It is. Because at the end of the day, I said this to one of my students the other day, we are human beings, not humans doing, right? Mm -hmm. So as part of being a human being, We want that connection. And I feel like as artists, we are very privy to a special kind of connection that only it's like secret access club that we (laughs) are the only ones invited. And then we're like, hey, guys, come in and join us. Yeah. I think it's really special. So as you mentioned your 30th birthday and singing Beethoven 9, which sounds like it was... Sounds like it was a great night, honestly. Got to sing some great music, made some money, probably had a glass of wine afterwards. Hey, um, and they had a cake for me in my dressing room, which was very sweet. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, there you go. Best birthday I know, ever. It was very memorable. <laughs> um, so speaking of memorable things, what are some other like memorable projects that you've worked on or mentors that you've had? Um, I know you mentioned um, a former voice teacher that was like really impactful in your life. Who are some of these people who um, have kind of had an impact on you? And what are some of the the projects that have kind of shaped where you are now? Well, I think it takes a village, right? It takes a village to raise a Reggie. And especially because I can be very hard-headed and headstrong. You know, I have thoughts and opinions and I tend to want to go with them, even if others don't. And, you know, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It sometimes led me... <laughs> To get my butt kicked, you know, by my mentors and all, but that's okay. We all need a solid um, butt kick once in a while. You know, we all do. Um, so I have far too many people that have influenced my life in such a beautiful and meaningful way to name any names because I'd be afraid I'd leave someone out. Um, so to all of those people, whether you were my voice teacher, my high school teachers, my manager, my next door neighbor the choir members from my church job in college or from from when I was singing in high school, the person that gave me a solo when God knows I didn't sound good, you know, just people that, that believed in me even when I didn't believe in myself. 
to each and every one of you, thank you. Memorable projects. I um, stepping on the stage at the Metropolitan Opera. What can you say? You know, it's it's the Met, or for as Lantine Price would say, for me, it's the pinnacle. Uh, but anyway, it's a great interview. But um, that's that's really cool. Singing in Russia is always cool. Singing in Hong Kong. Uh, being able to sing with the Atlanta Opera and having like a third of the audience be my fan family members and friends and old teachers and classmates and I mean that's that's remarkable. I, again, I've had so many awesome and amazing experiences that I feel bad trying to narrow them down because they've all been not all. A lot of them have been beautiful experiences. We don't have to name the bad ones. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Even the bad ones create good stories. So it's fine. You'll, you always learn something, right? Always. Well, and look, I mean, at the end of the day, I make money by screaming at people in different languages. Okay. There is no bad day. <laughs> I'm not doing any hard manual labor. It is still a very privileged life, and I am grateful and humbled to be able to do what I do. Whatever I think of trying to get on my high horse, I'm like, sir, you don't do nothing. That's not true, but you know that what I mean. That is not true. But you know what I mean. You know, to I'm be fair, singing <laughs> is a full body activity. It is, that is true. heart, mind, body, soul, it, the whole it thing. Is. But at the same time, <laughs> it we'll is say still it's, it's cushy. It, it is cushy. Not saying that it's easy, because if it were easy, everybody would do it. But you know, in the grand scheme of things, you have to remind you. You have, as we would say in the in the South, growing up in the church, you have to humble yourself unless the Lord will humble you, and you don't want to be humbled by the Lord. So you you have to make sure to humble yourself. It <laughs> sounds like something my husband's grandmothers would say. <laughs> When you're good and humbled, you're humble. Oh, oh, yes, you got to be humbled. Oof. You got to take that H off when you're good and humble. Oh, yeah. Oof. Mm-hmm. That, is, but, that is some gospel truth right there. <laughs> but look, I mean, it keeps you from being a crazy pants, I guess. <laughs> well, and we all know. It keeps seen, you appreciative. Too. We've seen those people who just get a little too big for their britches. They lose Reggie their humility. <laughs> Listen, we all got a little too big for our britches during the pandemic, okay? You're right. The quarantine 15 is real. Ah. I am I am the first one to admit that. That's why this podcast does not have video. People don't need to see that. But we've all seen those people who, like, just, they get a little too big for their britches, and then the pride comes before the fall, and it's a little bit of schadenfreude when you see that, and you're like, ooh, that must have hurt falling down from that horse. I try to always, and it's not, it's not always, you know, doesn't always happen because we all human. We are all human. But I, um, I try to remember from whence I've come. <laughs> and for instance, when we'll talk about, I guess, the Cardiff Singer of the World competition, I applied for the Cardiff Singer. Well, they contacted me. And they said, you should apply. And I applied. And then I didn't get past the first little like semifinal prelim round. And then they asked me to do it again. And I was unavailable. And then 
this time popped up and I kind of sought them out. <laughs> said, hey, I couldn't do it the last time. Uh, do you think I could apply? You know, and they said, well, sure. And I, you know, I had high hopes, but I was like, well, you know, there are a lot of great singers. There are only 16 people that make it. There are a lot of great singers in America. Fine. And so I, um, I applied. They said, oh, great. We want you to send in more stuff. Send in more stuff. Can you send in a recent video? I said, okay. Then a recent video. They said, we want to do an interview process. And I said, okay. And we did an interview and I, you know, talked with the people and they said, we'll, we'll be in touch. And when I got the notification, I thought, okay, well, here's the, here's the rejection, right? And they said, we have, we've reviewed all of the applicants. Uh, we finally made a decision and we've decided that we would like for you to be the representative for your country at this year's Cardiff Singer of the World competition. I almost dropped my phone. I said, they want me? Reggie Smith from Atlanta? The black boy that grew up in the hood? <laughs> what? From Georgia? I, you know, I just, it, 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 it is remarkable. And it's so humbling to think that of all the fantastic singers in my country and of all the people that applied, that they thought that I was the most deserving to represent my country and that I was so deserving to be in this top 16 of all the people from around the world. Not just from from, from the world. And they picked me. And I said, I could still, it's unbelievable and absolutely remarkable. And I don't take any bit of it for granted. And it just, it's, for me, it's, it's very humbling to think that somebody would think so much of me. And so I, uh, I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's an extreme honor and a, and a great blessing because again, like I said, I, I sing because I, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free, <laughs> but I, uh, I think because I love the music and I love what I do. So for somebody to recognize and want to honor and pour into that is, uh, it's extraordinary. So I don't know. That's how I think of it. I kind of want to just like high five you through the screen right now <laughs> and just like, just do a little toast to you because, <laughs> well, I, I think it's really I was privy to good news from a friend today, but it's like, I feel like as singers, we spend so much time in sort of competition mode, whether it's, you know, applying for young artist programs, auditioning for main stage jobs, doing Cardiff Singer of the World, auditioning for the Met, you know, doing so many of these, these things where we kind of forget, like, we're surrounded by people who want the same things and who have gone through similar struggles as us and that someone like you who has done all of those things and truly loves what you do, like you are absolutely deserving of these kinds of accolades and honors. And like, I think it's so important to recognize that as singers, we do better when we support each other than when we try oh, to just oh, constantly be in competition with each other, right? And so this is me as a fellow singer just saying, congratulations, you, <laughs> you do deserve it. 
because that's Thank freaking you. amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I um, I just I love singing. One of the things I always loved about competitions is just listening to other people and finding new repertoire and hearing how different people sing different things. I just find it interesting. I'm a nerd in that regard. But listening to different interpretations of leader, how Thomas Kvotsov would sing something versus Hermann Prey versus Fischer Diskau. And they're all singing the same song in the same key. And why is this one a little faster? What does that, what does that emotion convey? Ooh, they elongated this end more than that one. Does that mean something more? Can I make that mean something to me? What do I want to convey? I don't know. I just, I, I find it all interesting. It's the same with listening to competitions and all. But I will say to those people that, um, I guess this, I'm, I'm not jumping the gun here. I still have lots of encouraging words. <laughs> but for people that are doing the, the net competitions and the young artist programs and all of those things, let it be said, I did win the Metropolitan National Opera Council auditions. Okay. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. And I also applied six times. <laughs> I think we all have at this point. <laughs> you know, yeah. I auditioned for the Met five times before I made it to like the semifinals. It wasn't as if I just, boop, 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 here I am. No. <laughs> As a, you know, it's a likes and views poem. Life ain't been no crystal stairs, okay? Um, I was talking to a friend about that just the other day, where I feel like at some point, you know, you get the people who audition four times, and on the fifth time, they get rejected. And they're like, I'm done. I've done it five times now. And, like, for you, for example, it was going forward and doing that sixth time. Just, and it's just kind of waiting out the other folks sometimes. Yeah, sometimes that's it. Sometimes it's just persistence <laughs> persistence goes a long way especially uh-huh. especially in this field you know but you know you know they say um luck is when opportunity meets preparation right um this is a great another great quote luck is when opportunity meets preparation sometimes you can be as prepared as you want to be you can be the best singer in all of Pensacola, it's a beautiful place. But if you don't put yourself out there, if you don't seek out some of those opportunities, you know, who knows? Who cares? You know, it might not happen for you. Likewise, you can have all the opportunities in the world. If you aren't prepared, if you aren't ready, they're just going to move on by. Oh, we really wanted a soprano. She's not ready. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Yes. It is heartbreaking. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just as heartbreaking as some of these people that are extraordinary singers that never get an opportunity. So I don't say that I am having a career or so because I'm like the world's greatest baritone or anything. I will say I've been blessed. I've been favored. And I've been lucky. And by lucky, I mean, I've had some great opportunities and thank God I was prepared to meet those opportunities when they came by. I mean, you can't, <laughs> you can't really prepare. It, like there's, there's no one plus two equals four. <laughs> that's just not how, you know what I mean? But you're like, what? huh? That's kind of how this career is basically. 
you're like, it should be one plus two equals three, but not in this career. You never know when or how your break is going to happen or what it's going to be. It could be singing in Mandarin or whatever. You just have to be ready and prepared and open and, you know, follow the path in which uh, that's laid before you. You know, there's a, the prayer, order my steps, um, not to get too biblical or too religious. And, you know, I know it's a different type of podcast, but. I'll let you know when I, I start that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be right there. But I, I pray to, you know, that, that God would order my steps, but then that I would also have the wisdom and the faith to follow the path in which he's laid before me. Because it's one thing to say, order my steps, and then he tells you to go left, and you're still trying to go right. (laughs) Because left is foreign. Left is unknown. You know, sometimes doors open for a reason. Sometimes doors close for a reason. I literally had this conversation with someone yesterday. This exact thing. And, you know, sometimes... Great things come out of it. Sometimes you end up doing nothing. Maybe you need to sit down on your behind for a little bit. But um, I will say I have been fortunate that I've been able to do some recitals and concert work. Sometimes because you're just sort of in the right place at the right time. I didn't have a gig or I did an audition and it didn't pan out the way I wanted to. And I was like, oh, I really wanted that. And then somebody called and said, hey, are you available to do this recital? And I'm like, hey, you know, and then that recital led into something else and then something else. And, you know, it just. Your steps are ordered. Well, and, you know, you just have to roll with the punches, man. Be flexible and have faith and do the work and then let them do the work. (laughs) Absolutely. Totally. You know. I am I am in that boat. I'm rowing it with you. I'm right there. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I'm here for it. And I'm just taking me to church. And I oh, love that. Well, well, thank um you. so And we can do that through art song as well. Yes, we can. <laughs> it comes full circle. Um so that's as right. we're talking about opportunities and performances you've had, what are some um things that you can talk about? Um, that are coming up that our folks who are listening can kind of keep their eyeballs out for or follow you or watch via live stream? What's some stuff that you've got coming up? Well, I'm excited about uh, several exciting opportunities. Of of course, October, we'll have the Traviata in Charleston with uh, Holy City Arts and Lyric Opera. It's really exciting. Um, singing Germain. November, I'm in Evansville with um, the Evansville Philharmonic doing the Porgy and Best Suite with Miss Angela Brown. Yes. Um, which is crazy because you sing everything from uh, I Got Plenty of Nothing all the way to There's a Boat That's Leaving Soon for New York. So I have to make sure my larynx is really high by the end of the evening. Um, but then... I'm singing the, the Christmas Pops with the Dallas Symphony, which I absolutely love and I'm totally looking forward to. And singing everything from, you know, you know, have yourself a merry little Christmas to Jesu Bambino or whatever. I love doing those Christmas Pops. From there, 
I'm going to San Diego to sing in Così Fantute with San Diego Opera. I'll be in Fire Shut Up In My Bones um, at Lyric Opera of Chicago. From Lyric Opera, I have Messiah with the Nashville Symphony, singing Montorone in Rigoletto in San Antonio, doing uh, Act Three, Aida with Atlanta Symphony. I have some more Beethoven Nines in Portland, and then some fun summer projects right around the corner. So I, it's, it's a very beautiful and busy year that also includes doing some artisan residence things at some universities and master classes and you know so i i can't complain <laughs> well especially <laughs> after the year we've all had the fact okay. that like you have a full season it's a great season you're doing a bunch of stuff you love sounds like you yeah. got it made for this year how we try we try you know from recital to concert to new opera to old opera to to michael buble <laughs> you better know it okay um so reggie as we're wrapping up here i like to close i mean you have given us some beautiful gems of wisdom for which i am grateful but i do like to close off with just kind of a piece of advice that our audience can take away so if you had just like one one more gem to give us what would it be always be your most authentic self and do so unapologetically be you there's no one else like you so you might as well be you <laughs> whether that's artistically whether that's just how you live your life be bold in your thoughts and in your convictions be humble. <laughs> and uh, when you're wrong, admit that you're wrong. Keep it moving. But always be yourself and never let anyone change who you are. You can change some things about yourself, but you are who you are. And if you are made bold, be bold. That's, that's all I can say. I mean, I um, again, I've, I've made some full pause in my life by being very bold, I've also made some really good decisions <laughs> and things have worked out by being bold. I, um, but through it all, I remain myself. And for that, I strive to continue and um, I'm grateful for. I, I always try to, I try, it doesn't always happen, but I always try to, um, Make it so I never play the shoulda, coulda, woulda game. If I want to do something, I'm going to do it. I don't have the money for it. There's money in the world. Find it. Make it work. I don't have the time. You have all the time in the world. Make it work. Do what you want. Live your life the way you want to live it. Show people the beautiful being that you are in how you live your life and how you perform and how you carry yourself from day to day. And you'll live a beautiful, happy life. Hopefully. <laughs> and that if nothing and else, you'll make interesting art. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, wraps up our Sunday service today with Pastor Reggie Smith. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, it's funny because uh, growing up, they used to call me Little Preacher Boy. 
Oh my god! And I used to do little sermons, and they just knew that I was going to go into ministry. And I said, no, 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 no. And I, um, I like ran away as far as I could from the from the good book. Um, but it's so funny. The two things when I was singing with the Dallas Symphony, I did a narration uh, of the nativity scene, mm-hmm. um, and it came to pass. In that day, that there Caesar Augustus put out a decree that all the men to blah blah blah, and the you know the part said the angels sing glory to God in the highest and to the and somebody came up to me afterwards and they said, "Have you ever thought of preaching?" They said, "Well, you did that narration. It was it was so moving. I felt like I was in church. You have the voice of a preacher." And I was like, "No." And then I did another interview somewhere, and somebody said, "You know." I feel like you minister to us through song. I feel like you preach to us through your music. And I was like, no! <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, it's not, it's not that bad, but I was like, well, I guess it's in there somewhere. Well, you know, I think we we all have our, our ways of... It's kind of like we were talking about earlier in terms of like connecting humanity through like our shared experiences and our stories. And for a lot of people, that includes like religion and Christianity, especially in the U.S. Right? And you're doing if they interpret that as ministry and they feel connected and close to the Lord, great. Well, and you know, again, we are all interconnected through so many things that we can't even explain. And I find that to be one of the most beautiful things of humanity. And I am blessed and fortunate that I get to be a vessel by which one of those things are shared throughout the world. I, I, it's not me that is giving music, but it's the music that is within me that goes to the people that comes from a place that I did not even call upon for myself. It was bestowed upon me and there's nothing I can do about it. And I'm humbled to be a vessel to share this amazing intangible gift to to, to the people of the world. That's, that's remarkable to me. And I don't take that lightly. And so I'm, I'm just blessed that I get to do it through song and get to make so many memorable and wonderful connections through people. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an exciting life and exciting career. And I'm grateful for it. Well, Reggie, I'm grateful for you and for you taking this time to just like talk with me. And speaking of being hashtag blessed by things, like every time I interview someone for this podcast, I'm just blown away by like the generosity of spirit and maybe that's just like who I pick to be on my podcast maybe I'm just like (laughs) I just know I'm like they're a kindred spirit and I feel that but I'm just so I feel very blessed by your presence today and just thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and like tell me your stories and have like just a really life-giving conversation this was this was selfishly and for just me personally just really really lovely to spend this time with you thank you thank you thanks so much for listening if you want to keep up with song cycle new episodes will be out on the first monday of the month be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to us 
And be sure to check out our Spotify playlists. Who knows? It may give you some recital programming ideas. And as always, you can find out more at CincinnatiSongInitiative.org and follow us on all the socials. Until next time, just keep singing, y'all. This podcast is produced by Cincinnati Song Initiative and hosted on Anchor. This episode was edited and engineered by Andrew Nally.